it's like this barbell strategy. On one side, I want to become much more digital. On the other side, I want to become much more analog. Hey there, welcome to the Father and Son podcast, where my father and I discuss anything that's been in our minds lately. In this week's episode, we're discussing the new online craze known as NFTs. Hope you enjoy. If you do enjoy the Father and Son podcast, it'd be super helpful if you could recommend us to a friend. Thank you. Hey, Baba. Hey, Yusuf. How are you? Um, I'm feeling fresh. This is the first time we do this in the morning, so it's... Uh, <laughs> it's a different experience. It's a different experience, yeah. We usually do this after the kids sleep. <laughs> yeah, but right now they're at school, so we shouldn't hear anything. Yeah, exactly. So I wanted to explore something with you that I don't quite un- fully understand. I have a vague idea about it, but I don't understand it fully, and that's NFTs. Do you know what that is? Yeah, non-fungible tokens. So can you explain to me what you know about NFTs? So... To understand what a non-fungible token, you have to first understand what a fungible thing is, just the idea of fungibility. And fungibility is when something can be exchanged for something else. So, for example, um, if you have a bunch of dollar bills, those Uh are fungible tokens because you can... One dollar bill is the same as the other dollar bill is the same as the other dollar bill. You can exchange one for the other and it's the same thing, same value, same exact. Exactly. And so those are what's called fungible tokens, something that you can exchange one for the other. Mm-hmm. Um, for example, let me ask you, uh, Bitcoin. Is Bitcoin a fungible or a non-fungible token? I mean, Bitcoin, it's a currency, it's a cryptocurrency, so it's fungible because it's like a dollar, it can be exchanged one for the other. Every single Bitcoin has the same value as every other Bitcoin. Exactly. So it's it's fungible. Yeah. It's exchangeable. And a non-fungible token is something that's one of a kind. Mm-hmm. So, for example, the Mona Lisa or a Monet, those are, they're valuable. They're worth something. Um, but those are non-fungible tokens. They're, they're unique. They can be exchanged for something like it. Like there isn't a store of Mona Lisa's mm-hmm. and they're each worth the same thing that would make them a fungible fungible Mona Lisa a fungible Mona Lisa right and so a non-fungible token or NFT is something that is built on the same technology that enables Bitcoin which is blockchain but it's one of a kind mm-hmm. the thing itself is one of a kind and so whilst it's sitting on blockchain and the same ideas and the same distributed nature, the thing itself is non-fungible. So it's very popular with things like digital art or music that you can sell just the original copy of and that thing can be resold and resold just like buying a piece of art or a piece of calligraphy. Mm -hmm. And so... And the reason that it's been in the news and probably why we're talking about now is a piece of art created by an artist named Beeple was just sold in Christie's for $69 million. So it caught the headlines it that, caught, it, that this, this, piece, this piece of online drawing was now sold for $69 million. Exactly. And then people were like, what, so what is this NFT thing? Like it's digital art. Yeah, I don't kind of get it. And so people discount it as being stupid just a fad just a fad 
or some people say it's a bubble, etc., and kind of dismiss it. Well, I, I don't want to dismiss it. I want to understand it. I don't want to dismiss it the same way people dismissed anything new, mm-hmm. whether it's Bitcoin or anything new that they say, well, this is n- never going to catch on. Mm-hmm. And so I'm, I'm trying to resist that inner curmudgeon that grows within me as I get older and trying to understand and see, are we at the beginning of something that's going to be just these NFTs are going to be ubiquitous in 10, 20 years in the same way as buying something on Amazon now is just an afterthought. It's just a new normal. It's just a new normal. 20 years ago, buying something on Amazon or putting your credit card on the internet in the late 90s, early 2000s was something that nobody would do, uh, except a very, very rare few. And now, 20 years later, going to the store and not going to Amazon, that's... That's the, the weird thing. Like, why would you even go out of your way to go to the store and just order it? Yeah, why would you Why would you even go to the supermarket? You know, so are we witnessing the start of something that in a decade or less or more is going to be the way in which things are bought and sold, these NFTs? Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'm trying very hard not to dismiss it and to understand it, but not put lots of money into them. Yeah, you don't want to dismiss it, but you don't want to... Just throw yourself into it at the same time. Yeah, there's a lot of human nature things at play here. One human nature, one part of human nature that I've observed is, I don't understand it, therefore it's stupid. Mm-hmm. And another part is, I don't understand it, I'm going to stay away from it. Um, and then another part is, I kind of understand I'm going to put all my money in it. Yeah, <laughs> and each one is it can be destructive. Each one's yeah, so I'm trying very hard to be measured by saying, Okay, I want to understand what an NFT is. Can I create one? Can we, for example, take the initial podcast? The first podcast episode, make that an NFT. Yeah, and then put it on the market and see what happens. Can we experiment with creating digital art similar to the CryptoPunks? Mm-hmm. You know, the CryptoPunks are these basically 80s-style icons. That are selling for thousands and millions, millions of dollars. Yeah, millions of dollars. There's 10,000 of them, and the cheapest one is in the thousands. The most expensive is in the millions. And they're basically just... Profile pictures of not e- cartoons. They, they're very low-fidelity icon. I mean, think... Well, you won't know, but 80s Nintendo icons. Even less interesting than that. And they're selling for tens of thousands. And so I'm trying to wrap my head around, okay, what is it? Mm-hmm. Because if you think about the nature of the internet, what does it mean to own something on the internet when everything is, for the most part, free and freely copied? And you can just cut, you just control a Windows Shift S and just... You, you don't even have to Windows Shift S and screen capture it. You can just right click it. And download it. Yeah. But, and how do you know which one's the original? Then how, what, how does it keep its value well it's the notion of ownership Mm -hmm. that's interesting why do you want to own something that's infinitely reproducible Mm -hmm. um and so that's one of the things people are struggling including myself to a certain extent why do you want to spend you know 69 million dollars to buy people pictures that you can just download for free right click and and download for free and that's one of the things that or one of the areas for me that i wanted to explore why spend so much money for something you can have for free 
I mean, like, if you think about it, the world's best paintings, whether it be a Van Gogh or a Mona Lisa, all of them have prints that you can buy. If you go to the, if you go to the museum, you look at it, and you go straight to the um uh, the, the store in the museum, you can buy the print, and, and it will look almost exactly the same. But when an, a serious investor comes and says, I want to buy art, they're not buying it because they happen to like the Mona Lisa a lot. I think they're also buying it one for the pe- prestige and two for the value of it as like a long term I, mean, I don't know if it's a long term investment but it's a way to hold value hold your money like like gold people buy a lot of gold and they keep their money in gold maybe it's another way to uh, hold your assets instead of cash you put in a painting you don't have to pay tax on a painting yeah so that's okay so let's explore that so you buy something like a piece of art mm-hmm. or, or for example, buying the Wu-Tang's album recently. As an NFT or? As no, a- it wasn't an NFT, but they sold their album mm-hmm. for, I think it was $2 million to that that pariah guy. The guy the, I forgot his name, Scarelli or something like that. What do you mean they sold their album? They sold like the rights to their music? or They, they sold-, sold the only copy. Oh, there's only there's no, so nobody. So this ever was heard like, uh, in a sense, an NFT before an NFT. This was, I think, two three years ago. So they created a new album, mm-hmm. Wu Tang Clan, who was, and still is, a great rap group. Uh, but they're way before your time. When you first told me about them, I thought they were a kung fu group. <laughs> no, they're they're a rap group, and so they created an album and they sold it, but they only sold the rights. And nobody else can hear it. So nobody's ever heard this nobody's album. Nobody's ever heard it, except this one guy mm-hmm. that bought it for $2 million. So why buy it for $2 million? Why buy that album? One, you think it's going to be worth more in the future. So I'm going to buy this thing now, and I think it's going to be $4 million, $5 million, $6 million. A radio group will buy it for... Something. Um, yeah. Something. And so you're, you're absolutely right. I think people buy things like this because... It's a way to protect their money mm-hmm. and uh, and speculating that the, these pieces of art are going to cost uh, are going to be more in the future. Mm-hmm. But then I think to your earlier point, there's also the human nature to say, "I own, I own the only people. I own the first people. I own the first X. I own the biggest uh, yacht." Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know they're always one-upping each other. To it's human nature. Yeah, I don't know what part of human nature that that appeals to, but it it does exist. You know the, you know I own the last known picture of X, mm-hmm. or I own the first manuscript of Y. Yeah, I own the first Lego ever printed. Yeah, and so I think those same human natures that drive people to do that that this drive to protect your wealth because that's a universal drive mm-hmm. i remember in one one of the banks i worked for uh one of the executives stood up in one of the town halls and said ultimately the reason we exist is to protect people's wealth people fear losing their money more than they want to gain more money and so one of the ways people protect their money is putting it in 
a trusted establishment. Put in something that mm-hmm. they think is going to c- continue growing. And especially these days where a- holding actual cash is trash because the, you know, you know, our governments are just spent printing so much money, mm-hmm. putting it in stores of value that you think are going to go up in time, etc. putting a, a portion of your wealth is something that's been around for a very long time. This is just a digital equivalent to that. Um, and so, although you can buy or, I mean, download a copy of these gifts. You can't say you have the original gift. You can't say you have the original gift. And how how do you know on who has, how do you know what the original gift is? How do you know who has the original one? That Well, that's where the blockchain technology comes in that underpins NFTs and underpins Ethereum and Bitcoin. Can you explain blockchain? Yeah. Um, the best way to understand blockchain is to understand what problem it solves, why it exists. Mm-hmm. And so uh, there is, we're talking about a lot of people owning things, right? Owning, yeah. owning a Mona Lisa, owning an apartment, owning a car, owning property, owning land. Humans like to own, with the exception of some tribe, you know, the Bedouins or people that nomadic tribes, right? Which probably are much happier without anything. <laughs> without anything, our society is all about owning property rights. Who owns what, right? You, well, and even even my own children, you guys, you're like, this is my laptop, this is yeah. my iPad, this is my whatever, it's my card, this is my thing. Don't touch it, you know. And so left is telling you, don't touch my thing, and this is my room, although. It's all yours. <laughs> yeah, it's all mine. But, but you all believe you own it. And you want to own mine, 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 mine. And this is, again, I feel like we're talking about a lot of human nature stuff, but there's this drive to own. So who knows or who can prove who owns what? Mm-hmm. So uh, let's say, for example, Sulafa says, I own that thing in your room. That's uh-huh. mine. Okay. Those headphones are mine. How are you gonna How are you gonna resolve this dispute? I bought them. How are you gonna so? Show her the receipt. Show her that I bought these things. You didn't buy them. Okay. What if I bought them for you? Then I'll, you'll know that you bought. The, you'll tell her that you bought them for me. You'll, you'll say I bought these for him. These are not yours. Okay. So, and what? And if she doesn't agree or disagree, what's gonna happen? She's gonna be like, you know what? I don't care. That's not. It's just, then it doesn't really matter. It's it's yeah. it's her claim is it doesn't have any base. And what if she says your claim doesn't have any base? But I have I have you saying that you bought it. I have a I have a receipt. Yeah, okay, she doesn't accept it. I have. I don't, what else is there? She's like, no, give it to me. It's mine. Those those Beats headphones are mine. Or you said at one point, if I do this for you, you're gonna give them to me. She has a claim in her mind. She has a claim to those Beats headphones. You bought them. How is it going to get resolved? I, I don't know. How is it going to get resolved? Okay, th- there's generally two ways <laughs> these things get resolved. The medieval way. The fight? Yeah, the, by force, right? Steph is going to is gonna beat me up for my headphones. <laughs> she's going to come try to take them, and you're going to, you're six foot 15, you're going to, you know, and she's going to probably lose mm-hmm. if, she, if she's going to attempt to do that. Uh, unless you're a, a truly a gentleman and she's going to attack you. No, gonna, no, no, no. I'll hit her not, back. No, 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 no. You'd never hear your sister back. What's the second way? Okay, so there's force, mm-hmm. which is even today exists, right? There are there are people that say this, this company is mine. Or, or even more personal than that, 
I own this house in Palestine. And the, the Israelis say, no, this is now part of Israel. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, the Palestinian might have a piece of paper that says, I own it, but force wins in that case. So that, yeah. that's one case where force wins in terms of property rights. Another one is you go to somebody that arbitrates and says, who actually owns it? Uh-huh. So in the in the case of the Beats issue, you might go to your parents. But in the case of buying, let's say, who owns what house, how do you prove who owns what house? So let's just say there are, in Uskodar where we live, dozens of ancient Ottoman homes, beautiful Ottoman homes that haven't been cared for for a hundred years. They just sit empty. They just sit empty, commanding some of the best waterfront property. If you go to the Salajak area, let's say a family comes comes into the house realizes that nobody's there and they just move in mm-hmm. and not just move in they fix up this old mansion and now they've been there for 50 years and now the descendants of the original owner who hasn't lived there in a hundred years realize that they own this thing and they come and they find the entire family living there what happens then they show their deed they show that piece of paper and then by law it's theirs. Which what if they both what if the new family forged the deed? If the new family forges the deed? Yeah, they created I mean, this is the digital age. They created uh they created a deed and had somebody sit on it and just crumple up a little bit. <laughs> um I'm sure I'm sure that a central government will have a record. There you go. So there's somebody in the central government municipality that has the record. And it's true. You go to this municipality, they'll have this big books that go down go back to the ottoman times that have most likely been digitized and will prove who owns what so the proving of ownership Mm -hmm. is the thing or the problem that blockchain solves it solves who owns what in a distributed way not in a centralized way so who owns those homes is centralized in the municipality Mm-hmm. blockchain is a technology that ha- says who owns what but there's no central store of who owns what everyone has their own copy of who owns what yes and that that thing called the blockchain the chain it's a chain of ownership gets sent to everyone distri- and it's distributed and it's kept in sync so when you for example uh, want to mine a blockchain or something like that, or mine, sorry, mine a Bitcoin, you'll see it takes a very long time to download the blockchain. Because it's wh- just downloading everybody's deed and who owns what. Yeah, who owns all the blockchains from the first, I'm sorry, who owns all the Bitcoins from the first Bitcoins. Uh-huh. And then all the subsequent buying and selling. So if you go to, for example, um, the municip- municipality in Uskadar, you will see the history of who owns what and transferred from this person to this person on this particular date. So this property is transferred from this person to this person. The blockchain is exactly the same thing, but rather than centralized, it's now distributed. And it's a brilliant technology. And it's what makes NFTs work, and it's what makes Bitcoin work. Uh huh. So it's t- it says this person owns this Bitcoin, and this person owns this NFT. Yes, and, and nobody owns that ledger. That's the brilliance in it. That's why it's decentralized. That's why the banks were worried and now are 
getting all in on blockchain technology themselves because that's what a bank does. A it bank says who owns who. It says who owns how much money. Uh huh. Right. It has a. Um, there there are computers within banks that says Yusuf, and you just open the bank account, right? Yeah. Okay, so you just open the bank account today. So there's a computer in that bank that says Yusuf Fahmi, and he has this much money. Mm-hmm. And the blockchain technology makes it such that you don't need that centralized bank to say how much money you have. It just it automatically knows. It's a system. Well, it's a distributed system. Every Everyone kind of knows. Mm-hmm. So, but one question remains is, that remains is, how do you know what's the original? Is it just the first entry? It's the entry? first one. It's the is first it's entry. First? And what happens if that entry, because it's, it's all code, right? And, and even if it looks the same, it's all code in zeros and ones. If you take the same thing, but you alter the code a little and make it look different, that will be the first entry of that, okay, even though so it looks... You have to separate now. You're saying, let's say we create a picture right now uh-huh. of, uh, I don't know, we just take a selfie. Or we find a really nice picture on an NFT, one that hasn't, nobody's really seen it, and but we can tell that a lot of people will like it. We just copy it, then we enter it again into the blockchain, but we just change it up a little. Technically, won't that be the first entry into the blockchain, and can we just steal it? Yeah, you can create a new NFT of a forged thing. You know, you so you're saying for, let's just say take Beeple's picture that sold for sixty nine million dollars. Uh huh. Let's download it. Just right click it. Mm-hmm. It'll take a millisecond, and then we create an NFT of that copied. Uh huh. Technically, that's the first one, right? Yeah, it's the first one. And so your question is what? My question is. How does blockchain work? Like, how, no, how so blockchain is not going to do anything there? Yeah, because technically that's the first one, right? So how are people going to know what's the first? That's one? up to the, that's up to the person in the marketplace. So if you're going to see the Beeple, um, if you're going to see the Beeple, uh, same GIF selling for three dollars, and the other ones on the blockchain for sixty nine million dollars, the blockchain is not going to say, "Hey, you're you're a forger." That's by the way, one of the downsides to being completely distributed. There's no centralized... So, somebody saying, that no, this is forged. Nobody's looking down on it. It's totally up to the people. It's totally up to the people. M- maybe within the marketplace that that is listing these gifts, maybe there's some curation there. Curation there. Mm-hmm. But blockchain itself is... is it's uh, It has no opinion once you create the NFT. Mm-hmm. You know whether it's a forged or not, or this is a fake Banksy or not. So it can it can be forged, but ultimately the person will know or they'll be able to tell that this is this is a fake. Yeah, and it's like any other any other world. You know, any other ignorance will not be rewarded. You know, if you go, for example, to the Grand Bazaar right now, uh huh, there's gonna be people selling you rolexes for 150 dollars 150 dollars you're like oh my god i can't believe i got a ten thousand dollar rolex for 150 dollars they must have really good sales here wholesale price must be so cheap here yeah and then it gets more and more uh more and more complex in terms of forgeries and there are rolexes where you really cannot tell the difference uh and it'll be very expensive you know and so 
I don't, that's one thing that I, I'm interested in learning in the NFT world. How do they deal with situations like this? Mm-hmm. But I think the initial NFT that has the initial picture, I think it should be pretty clear. You know, uh, if I think it should be pretty clear which one's the real one based on the the blockchain and who's owned it. Uh, yeah, this uh, this was actually sold for sixty nine million dollars. Exactly, because you can see the blockchain. You can see that everybody can see that this was created. This the, yeah, created this day and cost this much and this much. So, if all of a sudden you see the same picture without any history, yeah, that's uh, yeah. Uh, don't get me wrong. Since we keep on talking about human nature, there are people who will be, be like, "Oh my God, look, it's a great sale. It's buy, great, yeah, buy it." But people at this stage who know enough to have a People who know enough at this point to have a, you know, a, a wallet, you know, and know what Ethereum is and know what the blockchain is and know what NFT is and have the wherewithal to buy one, I, I highly doubt. That they'll be fooled that easily? Yes. The people who will be fooled is when... It becomes a huge global thing. When it becomes completely mainstream. Then, when you have the laggards that join, then you'll see a lot of that stuff. I, I don't believe it's going to happen now. Okay. So now that NFTs and cryptocurrencies are steadily becoming more mainstream and more active in our day-to-day lives, what's next for you and cryptocurrency? Do you have any plans to get involved in it or to buy your net, buy into it? Yes, I have I've been thinking a lot about this and and how I invest money and where does crypto fall into that whole you know into the portfolio and where does nft where do nfts fall in etc and i well there's two parts to this i want to buy some nfts Uh uh-huh not because i speculate they're going to make more money i just want to understand i want to understand it i want to dip your toes into the pond i want to dip my toes into the pond i want to see how how do you buy it how do you what what happens when you buy it? Where does it go? All of, all of that kind of stuff. S- similar thing to cryptocurrencies. I do believe that we should have some of our money in crypto. I just don't know, and I'm when's the right time to get in? Uh-huh. Uh huh. Is this a bubble right now? Like when's the be- when's the best time? Well, if you look at the history of crypto, the it's a series of bubbles. You know, it's. Uh, you know, it goes up to like a couple of hundred, then it bubble bursts and it goes back down. It's it's these huge swings and fluctuations, and and that kind of plays on your psyche. Yeah, it puts you off a little. It puts you off, and so if you if you've been tracking crypto since it was a couple of hundred bucks, Bitcoin, and now it's fifty five thousand dollars, you there's a part of you that says, "Oh my, I could have bought this much at this time." Yeah, and now you're like, it's almost it's almost easier to come into crypto now than it is having been tracking it for so long and so i think that crypto especially blockchain all of them doge my gut tells me that it's way too overinflated it's like i think there's bubbles upon bubbles upon bubbles right now yeah and so i i'm waiting for a pop of of this and I think I think we're on the verge, and I'm not an investment advisor. I think we're on the verge of some catastrophic pop, and just 
put a pin in that for a second. I want to come back to the catastrophic pop in a second. But the markets after the the COVID blip, right? Yeah. And the markets went down, are back to... Higher than they were before. Higher than they were before. So with the exception of that one little sort of heart attack that happened in the market... Does that even count as a pop? Does that count as a... It just, the whole... I, I think it counts as a learning moment of what can happen when the global markets freak out. Yeah. And, but when you remove that from the line, well, you know, from the trend, you see this upward trend for almost, you know, 13 years now. And then on top of that, cryptocurrencies are at the fifth, you know, 55,000. Um, I'm sorry, Bitcoin specifically, Ethereum's up, even Dogecoin, which is nothing, which mm. was started as a joke. Yeah. It, even that's up. Even th- that's up in, in to stupid numbers. And it kind of reminds me, of a hyper accelerated version of the the two thousands, you know, of the late nineties, um, before that that big drop. So long story short, I do plan on getting into some crypto, but not just not right now, like not in this, N- not not right now. Yeah. It just feels, it if, feels wrong. It feels like you're jumping yeah. on, because even in stocks, when we learn about stocks, you learn not to jump on when everybody else jumps on, because that's usually too late. When every when everybody else starts buying into something, that's it's usually a sign that. That's it. Like we're not gonna. You shouldn't get into it now. You should be getting into it before that. And again, I'm speculating. I can be completely wrong. Some catastrophic thing can happen to the, you know, to the dollar, and then money goes into the cryptocurrencies, and it goes up to two hundred thousand dollars a coin. That, that's potentially that could happen. Yeah. Um, but when it goes down to a certain number, I have in my mind, I'm thinking of putting some money in into crypto. And not just Bitcoin, but Bitcoin, Ethereum, mm-hmm. etc. NFTs, I want to experiment with buying for like a couple hundred bucks, but also creating NFTs. <laughs> I, w- I want to actually create some NFTs. That seems pretty easy, actually. That's that's what I want to do because we're getting in at the ground level. I want to see, can me and you, for example, and Sulefa, Sulefa, who's like really artistic, can we cr- actually create some NFT, some art, and follow the same playbook as cyber um crypto punks yeah and maybe it makes some money but it's a learning experience we're gonna, well. le- we're gonna learn a lot yeah so i i want to actually create nfts so in in the case of crypto i want to buy mm-hmm. post bubble in the case of uh nfts my interest is to try to create some with you guys and leverage your young discord minds to help me create that yeah but the other thing I've been thinking about is what if there's a catastrophic failure and we have no electricity? You mean us or just Everybody, like the whole world? Yeah, like what well, happened well, to the grid? You know, if you think about what happened in Texas, their grid froze. We are pretty useless. You know, there's the, there's the thing everyone always says if the zombie apocalypse. What's, what's gonna, what are we going to do? I'm, I'm going to be the first to die because I'll be completely useless. Yeah. You know, and... That's the other thing I've been thinking about is as we get more and more digital and thinking about digital and on Zoom and avatars and we're relying a lot on electricity and we're becoming the opposite of that whole spirited man YouTube phenomenon. You know, Casey Neistat's brother, Mm -hmm. this person that can fix things and be useful and use his hands. And I've noticed myself and my children were getting really far away from that. And so... 
in the same way I want to improve my understanding of this digital world and, and create NFTs, I actually want to improve my understanding of the physical world and try to fix things. I mean, I, we even here in Turkey, because labor is relatively cheap, we bring people to change our light bulbs. <laughs> I mean, some of them, not all of them. I changed the other ones. Yeah, so how useless have we become, you know, in that... We have people come change our light bulbs. We have people come change our light bulbs. Like, you know, how many Fehmis does it take to change a light bulb? None, because we, we don't no, do it. I don't do it, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, so, and so that's another thing I've been thinking about is... Becoming too digitalized? Yeah, how can we become more analog? Mm-hmm. So it's like this barbell strategy. On one side, I want to become much more digital. On the other side, I want to become much more analog. Um, at the same time. At the same time. I, I don't yet know how to do that, but you you want to. Yeah. I can fix a lot of things in the digital world. That's basically what I've done for a living for a long period of time. It's it's the analog world, world I want to get better at. It's the ability to create things with my hands, to fix things, to build things. Um, even my bike, the ability to... Change the tire and... I can do that, but, you know, to fix the gear ratios or the gear sets, not every time I have a problem, I, I take it to a mechanic. Bike mechanic. Yeah, so that's the thing, I, and I don't yet know exactly how to do it. I want to become simultaneously much more digital and much more analog at the same time, if that makes any sense. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. And, and I want that for my children. I want you to be able to weld something, to build a shelf, to hang... Yeah, I, I get it, yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah. And at the same time, create an NFT and, and put it on the marketplace. And like an all-around, just an all-around person, a spirited, but well-rounded. A, a spirited man, but yeah. both in the digital and analog space. 